0: What's up, fight fans? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Wednesday, May 15th, 2019 here on the show. My name is Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. And I'm joined by the always prepared Natalie Zamudio.
1: Oh, man, the pressure's on. I hope I'm prepared enough. Hi, how are you, man? <laughs> Happy Wednesday. I am-
0: Good. Okay, so I had a busy weekend, and it was just killer on trying to keep up with fights. It was nearly impossible uh, to recap. We had a UFC pay-per-view. We had a very stacked card in Bellator. PFL got kicked off. And if that wasn't enough, you also had a little Combate America crammed in there. So we have a ton, and I mean a ton to cover on the show uh Natalie, first off, hi, how are you? You feel ready? <laughs> I'm ready. yeah, we have a lot. actually because of
1: Saturday being so so packed, I forgot already, I don't know how I forgot. I already forgot about PFL, which is wrong because that was actually a really, really fun card. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I'm ready. Let's hit it.
0: Yeah, so to let fans know because there are so many fights and we're not Ariel helwani who can afford to do this for five hours in one day. <laughs> The way it'll work, because there's so many, is that we're going to discuss the main event and the bigger points together, like usual, but me and Natalie will alternate. That way, you're not getting two takes per the fights. That way, the show moves along just fine for you guys, and obviously, you'll see uh, you know, how it works for everything for today's show, but let's get it started with the big one coming out of Saturday, UFC 237 from Brazil. Rose Namajunas, Jessica Andraj, Natalie, just take it away. Wow,
1: what a fight. I mean, Rose was killing it. She was outclassing Andraj all through round one. It looked like she was doing the same in round two. I will say those leg kicks from Andraj were going to start adding up. And, you know, Rose was showing some excellent footwork, especially moving backwards. I wondered by round two if she was going to be able to keep it up, you know, through through three more rounds. We'll never know, Um, you know, despite how it ended, she was still to me, the superior fighter, beautiful, confident performance, but of course she got slammed on her head in a really cringe worthy manner. I'm glad she's okay. I was super relieved to see her talking to the media afterward. Um, Her face was a little bit swollen, but actually the side of her face that was swollen was not the side that hit the canvas. So um, I think she must've eaten some punches after After she got laid out, which, yeah, I guess she did. I think about it. In any case, very interesting uh, result, shocking result. And even though Andrade won the belt in Brazil and it was this great moment for her, like for me the whole time, I was just worried about Rose. And so I didn't even really soak in Andrade's victory. Um, It was kind of like in slow motion watching all the fans cheering for her. And then hearing Rose talk about you know, her feelings, her honest feelings. She's always pragmatic. She's always very honest with everybody. She talked about ESPN about it during a long training camp, the effects of her career on, on her relationship with Pat, how she felt inside the cage and the moment that she was about to get flipped on her head. She says she got kind of tired of being there. She lost interest. She was feeling a little bit lazy, very honest. And I appreciate it. Ultimately I'm bummed that she lost, but I'm pleased that she's, you know, looking at her life and and asking the hard questions at a young age. You know, do I really want to keep doing this? I have other ambitions. Is it time to go try those out for a little bit? I I uh, I wish I had that much sense at her age, and so so I'm excited to see whatever path she chooses to continue on. If she if she sticks with MMA, awesome. Look out everybody else. If she doesn't, you know, her garden will flourish literally and figuratively. So
0: you know, let's see what happens. What do you think? Yeah, with the fight itself, um, I was impressed with Rose's technique. She fought differently than Joanna did. Uh, she was the counter left was there, the footwork and everything. Um, Andrade did land a few kicks. Uh, some people say she was starting to slow down. I don't know if I necessarily saw that. I felt I feel like Rose would have been ready, you know, for a full twenty-five leg kicks included. Um, I'm not saying she was going to be the Energizer Bunny by, you know, minute 25, but I I felt like she was doing fine personally. uh, The thing I kept saying, and I've said this since the fight was announced, I say it every week. I say it every time Jessica Andrade fights, and this is exactly why she just fights with that gangster. She is relentless. She is almost cold-blooded in there she goes at you, and every shot is to hurt. Not to win points, not to be smart, it is to do serious damage. And look, that wasn't the first slam she went for, and they talked about it. Rose got away with it on the first one. Andrage read it, made the adjustments, obviously had that devastating finish with the second slam in the second round. Um, look, uh, I agree with you. I personally feel like had it kept going the way it was going, that Nama Yunus would have been capable of implementing that game plan and executing for the whole five minutes or 25, five minute rounds. Um, at the end of the day, like you said, it's just how it went. I, I've i heard different people talk about like, well, you know, does it warrant this? Does it warrant that? I think that you have to acknowledge that, no, nah, sorry. Andrade would have kept going for this stuff for as long as it lasts. We saw that in the Ioana fight. We see it in all of her fights. She would have tried to make... She would have been a threat for the whole fight, period. And that's exactly why. That's why she was a different challenge than Ioana for Rose. That's why she was the slight favorite. And ultimately, that's what won her the fight. Go to her post-fight comments. Um, really, it, it was one of those things... I look at it, and I try to compare it to other fighters that we've seen. Ronda Rousey stood out to me when I listened to Rose. And the thing about it that really makes it uh, such a unique case, which makes sense because Rose Namajunas is a very walk-to-the-beat-of-your-own-drum kind of fighter, even by MMA standards, is that she is about being a better martial artist and growing in her skills. You see that. You literally see... The work she's put in, the fight on Saturday is a perfect example. She looked even better than she did against Joanna in the rematch. And that was a fantastic performance. So the fact that she's still committed to growing and just the actual work of learning martial arts, that is huge. I'd argue that's something you didn't really see in Ronda in that latter half of her MMA career. So to hear Rose say that she's ready to pack it up, go on the farm, and, you know, next thing you know, we're doing an ESPN 30 for 30. What if I told you that one of the greatest champions walked away? That, to me, is so surprising because I feel like the proof that we see inside the cage isn't somebody who's ready to hang it up. It's somebody who's done work and show it off. I would... uh, um, sum it up by saying that I don't think Rose is a you know personality. She is just who she is. She's not big into probably being a public figure. To many people as often not to say she doesn't want to be around people, but just it's a lot to have everybody want to take your time. Almost maybe feel obligated to give your time because you know you're UFC champion, you're this and that, weight division, rankings, uh, social media following, uh, um, sponsors, they call you a role model. I just don't think that's something that she's really comfortable in. I think she's someone who just likes the real quiet life and that's okay. It just makes it, you know, when you're in a big visible position like she is in UFC, you know, there's some things, uh, almost compromises or some decisions you have to make that aren't always easy. Let me toss it back to you. They are talking about who's next. Obviously, some people say a rematch, which isn't completely crazy. Joanna Jonjechuk is out there. There is the winner, Tatiana and Nina Ansarov. There is Michelle Watterson. What do you think is next for this strawweight title? So should Rose be so
1: inclined, if she wants a rematch, I don't think it's crazy at all to give it to her. We just went over how she was beating her and and looked so good on her feet, on the feet. And, you know, you, you guarantee she won't make that same mistake of uh, holding onto the arm as she did it uh, on Saturday. So I am 100% uh, on board with if Rose wants it, give her the rematch. But then we have to ask about timing. So Rose could very well want the rematch, but maybe not for, you know, another year or so and then in which case okay well fine if she ever comes back or when she comes back I think that should still be there for her as for who else if not Rose I don't think Joanna um, where is she on the rankings I should have had this already pulled up but I don't I don't know where she sits right now I
0: mean I think she's still top five that she had that loss against Valentina at lightweight
1: yeah she's she's number three behind Rose and Tatiana um, I bet she's chomping at the bit, right? Because she she beat Andraj, and she's probably thinking, I'm not seeing much, much of a different fighter than I saw then. She has great takedown defense. She's um, you know, she has like like just the muscle that she's put on. I think out outweighs what Rose has as far as you know muscle structure. So in that sense, that's super helpful to just to be stronger in there. But I kind of don't want to see that um let's see Tatiana fights Nina when like very soon right
0: uh next, next month. month yeah
1: and I guess Andrade is not hurt she's probably ready to go right away so sure man if if you know Jacek is ready to go okay fine but I would rather just wait for Tatiana Nina or if Michelle Waterson wants to wants to get in there I definitely want to see her get a shot at the belt I think she has an okay chance. she's got she's got great um, takedown defense too, and and they're they're similarly built, you know, a little bit shorter, a little bit stockier. Could be interesting. What do you think?
0: I mean, to me, if uh, this is one of those things where it's very clear that the UFC wants uh, Michelle Watterson title fight. They brought her to Brazil. Ironically, you know, I was at an event on Saturday when the card was going on, and I was uh, Tatiana Suarez was there. I know, I saw that. I yeah, we could talk. Um, I'm saving that one for a little closer to her fight, the conversation we had. But a little, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I found it a little surprising that you know UFC wasn't talking about you know. And I know she may be training for the fight and all that, but you know, why don't you bring Tatiana to Brazil to watch the fight? You know, that's another... People see it, and people are, I would say, more excited for the actual fight between Tatiana and Jessica than they are for the actual fight between Michelle and Jessica. Not that Michelle isn't a very popular fighter, and I'd argue more popular than Tatiana, but fans also know what the fight could look like. So that, to me, I find it, you know, a little... Indicative that they see Michelle's star power being the bigger sell. Um, that being said, I personally feel like if Tatiana beats Nina or vice versa, that that they have proven they are the top weight right now. Yeah. Not that Michelle isn't on a good run, but I think people feel a little wishy-washy about her opponents. Courtney Casey, no, or what was it? It might be Amanda Cooper. I'm sorry. I know I always mix those two up. I'm sorry. But I know Michelle has a win over one of them. Then she had the Felice Herrig and Carolina. Felice, I think people, you know, I personally feel like her last performance haven't shown it, but I think that she was coming off the loss to Carolina, then lost to Michelle. Carolina was coming off the knockout loss to Jessica, and then, you know, Michelle. So she hasn't been fighting women At, you know, who are just really at, you know, on a nice run. Tatiana, I feel, has been. Nina Ansaroff has been shocking. A lot of impressive opponents. And so that's what makes their fight, I guess, it makes me more excited. I feel like they're the ones really hitting their stride. I feel like Michelle Watterson, personally, I want to see her, you know, just authoritatively take out somebody like a Rose, like a Joanna to show that, you know what, I am ready. I It's not just, you know, the matchups at the timing. I am at that elite level. That's what it is for me. So I want it to be the Tatiana Nina winner. I would not be surprised if it's Michelle Watterson. I think that everything I'm hearing from Rose is somebody who probably needs to take some time. One, make sure you're healed up. Two, maybe figure it all out, which is fine. But um, at the end of the day, I think it's going to be... I think that they're going to end up going with Michelle Watterson, Tatiana, or Nina fights Joanna uh, as the odd one out, and the winner of that one gets the next shot. And then we'll see where Rose is at at that time. That's my prediction. All
1: right. Let's see what happens.
0: Yes. So like I said, we're going to be alternating discussion and analysis. The next one, though, I'll admit, is you know we're both going to have a take on the second part of the news. But Natalie, you take it away. What was your analysis of Jose Aldo versus Alexander Volkanovsky?
1: Well, Volkanovsky surprised me. He, he simply outworked Aldo. It's not the fight I expected, especially with Aldo looking as he did against Stevens and Moikano. But Alex had get a killer game plan, man, and he executed it perfectly. From the start, Alex came out with like this stuttering, like jittery, these jittery feints and footwork. He touched Aldo, Aldo's inner thigh nonstop. Aldo got going towards the end of round one, but then he never got any further than that. As rounds two and three was by, you know, he launched like one or two big shots. Uh, initially, I thought that his his body shot, that he he threw like two body shots. I thought they landed, but looking back, it was like a hit. It hit Alex's elbow. You know, Alex stayed the course, man. He was constantly touching Aldo, whether they're in the center of the octagon or against the cage, it's a great show for Alex. I think he put on a great performance. However, I also don't think it's a huge setback for Aldo. He dropped down from number the number one slot to number three. To me, he's still in top form. I think he'll look back at the fight, make his adjustments. Most of them probably being mental. Come back strong. I think he's still in the race.
0: I agree with you. Uh, I don't really. I wouldn't have anything really to add on that. My question now: they obviously announced the news. Frankie Edgar will be the next challenger for Max Holloway on July 27th, UC 240, Edmonton, Canada. Volkanovski gets this big victory. Um, he did what, you know, I like I agreed with you, he shocked Jose Aldo, which in any other scenario, how can you not get a title shot, which leads to this awkward kind of thing? Does he take another fight waiting for the winner of Frankie and Max or does he just sorry
1: sorry you're cutting off there so um yeah should he wait it out should volkanovsky wait it out until he until um until after edgar holloway correct um man when is that july Mm -hmm. yeah he should wait it out um you know when did he last fight? I don't remember, but I think he should wait it out. Let's see what happens. I don't think. I think everyone learned from Frankie Editor being a being a, a loyal company man, being a tough guy, and, and taking the Ortega fight when he didn't have to, and it you know blew up in his face sort of right because he ended up getting his title shot ultimately anyway. Um, but I think Volkanovski should wait. Um, it makes sense. He's the, he's the next in line. And who else would he fight? Let's see. Let's take a gander. Da, da, da. Zabit? I thought Zabit was going to oh, fight wait, Ortega.
0: Sorry, sorry. And yeah. so
1: then it's like, it doesn't make sense for him to go backwards to fight anybody else. I think he should wait. Go take, go take a vacation. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to me, the biggest... Uh, I would say wait. Um, for one, stay healthy. You really don't know in uh, this game. He very... You know, something could happen to one of those guys and they make something happen. Yeah. Um, I would say wait. I think that here's the thing. We're looking at the third, possibly fourth quarter of the year for Adesanya versus Whitaker in Australia. That is right there in his neighborhood. I can see them double stacking that card, bringing uh, Frankie or Max to Australia to defend the title, make that a mega pay-per-view in the fourth quarter of the year on top of Madison Square Garden. Um, I do notice there's not a traditional New Year's Eve card for UFC this year. So I that just really says to me, hey, they might really stack this one. So I say that that would be the wait. Try to hope that they double stack the Adesanya Whitaker card and take your fight there. Yeah, I think so,
1: too. And also, you mentioned New Year's Eve, and and it's probably because PFL has that, uh, has that slot nice and... Uh, nice and warm there. So I, I like it. I like that ESPN is um is giving love to both of them.
0: Well, I mean, I personally thought it worked out great this last year. PFL had the actual New Year's Eve, but Saturday before was UFC. And I was like, yo, this kind of worked out. It's nice. We got so much MMA that night. So, you know, I wouldn't go against it. But I think the UFC, they're essentially looking at their venues and they're like, Well, with our schedule, can we actually do it? Because they always do two pay-per-views in December, which is crazy to me. You know, I mean, July, they're doing it too. But, yeah, so you're looking at that kind of situation. But moving on uh, to the next one, obviously, Volkanovski will wait and see what happens. I agree. Anyone else would be a step back. The next fight to talk about, Jared Canunier versus Anderson Silva. This one, one round... Jared was landing that inside leg kick. Clearly, that was part of his game plan. Anderson, very patient, had a couple shots himself, tried to go for a few unorthodox strikes, but by now, everyone's seen the clip or heard about what happened. Jared lands just that perfect chin to the inside of the knee, clearly injures Anderson's leg. Um, The fight is called off very quickly. Anderson struggling to walk out of the cage in a lot of pain. Um, The way I saw this, 44 years of age, I know Anderson has not historically taken a ton of damage in his career. It was really just one of those you felt like you were watching father time just catch up to Anderson. You know, look, freak accidents happen all the time. But at the end of the day, I felt like you looked at Anderson's age and you were like, young Anderson would have taken that and kept working. This is just, you know, a much younger athlete did that damage. Mind you, Jared is a very powerful middleweight. I felt like that was just more indicative of the age rather than any skill thing we really saw. Both of them, I'd, I'd say, were still just getting going. We weren't really seeing, you know, them you know, really going for it. They were still just trying to feel it out and going for little stuff. Uh, to me, personally, Anderson, I know that he's saying that it's fine, that it's, it's not broken. It was a bit of ligament damage that he's going to heal up. He plans to fight again. If he really is healthy, I think he should talk about making the next one, the last one. I know he was talking about a contract extension, anything else like that, etc. I feel like this is proof that you are really rolling the dice every time out. And I know Anderson loves the fight game. The fight game has loved Anderson, the you know, sporting figure in Brazil, etc. I really do see that and acknowledge that. I just simply feel like as much as I love watching him compete, and I know he loves competing, This is just more of a sign that we don't want to throw him out there when he can't do it. We don't want to see him compromised out there every night just fighting out his contract. If he is healthy and he wants to try one more, I'm all for it. But we got to do it's to give him that send off if that's what he really wants, give him a career finale. But I don't, I felt like this was a sign that prolonging it even though he hasn't looked too bad in his last fights it would just be a bad idea and it hurts to say that about a guy that i really respect and really love watching in anderson silva but that's just where i'm at
1: yeah i think i think yeah of course first i love anderson silva all of mma loves anderson silva you know he's a legend he loves fighting it brings him joy to fight and so i want him i just want the man to be happy but it's hard—it's hard indeed to watch him get injured. I think we're all forever traumatized by that leg break against Weidman, and so when when Anderson fell on Saturday, holding his knee, at least in my house, it got very quiet. We're just waiting to see if he's going to be okay or not. So if he comes back, which which I am okay with, if he heals up, you know, I'm, I I would love to see him again in good form, as you say. You know, we only we only want to see him looking. We don't want to see him like, you know, a cornered, uh, a cornered animal. So if he comes back, I want him to be healthy and good form. And really, I think the key would be to put him against a, a proper opponent, someone that he can have fun with. That's not trying to make a name off of defeating Anderson Silva. But then I think, you know, off the top of my head, I can't actually think of who qualifies as a fun fight in the middleweight division It may not exist. But if it does, then then that would be a nice way to to let Anderson, you know, just enjoy his time in the cage.
0: No, I agree with you. And, you know, that's going to be another one I I predict we'll probably see him in the late third, early fourth quarter of the year. I think that uh, UFC has one more stop in Brazil um, for, you know, to round out the calendar. Moving on, we will go back to UFC in a bit, but Natalie, take it away. Michael Chandler versus Patricio Pitbull, Bellator 221 in Chicago. Oh, my God.
1: There was way too much to watch. And, like, the apps were not cooperating with me. This is a very frustrating Saturday, but also very enjoyable because there was a lot of, of dramatic wins or a lot of finishes in, uh, on both sides. So animosity between these two guys, Chandler, Pitbull, was very real. The fight played out for me, you know, I think for most people in an unexpected way, I really thought they'd go back and forth. I thought Chandler's size advantage would finally overcome Pitbull, but I should have known better because Beltor had this countdown series leading up to the fight. I don't know if you saw it, but the first episode Pitbull tells this really dark and frightening story. He's like out of gun range when he tells it about how his mother killed, you know, in defense of their home, killed an intruder by shooting him through the eye. And then the next morning, Pitbull's father takes a young Patricio out back to see the dead intruder in their yard. And I'm I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, my God, if that's your childhood, God help any of your opponents. Because you clearly have a different, you're just coming from a different world. But as for the fight itself, you know, it was over in 60 seconds. I actually thought it was a fair stoppage. You can tell me if you think otherwise. Chandler looked out to me. His forehead was on the canvas. His hands were limp on either side of his head. He ate five unanswered shots. I know he stood up immediately as soon as the ref got in front of him. But and he, and he said later that he was kind of playing possum. And if that's the case, I would say that was a big mistake. part. I did rewatch the fight today, those 60 seconds. When you watch it in slow motion, it makes a lot more sense that why the ref stepped in. When you watch it in real time, it's a little bit harder to read because it happens so quickly. But Chandler wasn't moving. That's the bottom line for me. He ate five shots and he wasn't moving. So I get why the ref called it. Big John McCarthy later said the ref should have been vocal with Chandler. He should have asked him to show him something before calling it. That's totally fair considering the high stakes here, you know, higher stakes than normal in a a normal fight. But I'm still not mad at the stoppage. And and then, like, as a side note, what are the chances that Eric Albaracine is in the winning corner of another high profile double champ fight with a controversial stoppage? That's super weird. That's like some Twilight
0: Zone stuff. So
1: anyway, I'll leave it at that.
0: Uh, No, nothing to add. Um, I'll say this. I felt like close stoppage. Maybe he could have let him take six unanswered shots rather than five. I feel like that happens every night. But um, you know what? That's one of those borderline ones that even if it's controversial, it's always gonna stand and you gotta let that go. It happens uh, all the time and it was a close one. Um, you're, um, yeah, quick fight. It was very, it was one of those, but back to you. You're the one taking this segment. Uh, what's next for the double champ?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I wasn't too up on the, in the loop on what his, on his plan. So apparently before the fight, he had said he wanted to win the belt and then just relinquish it. And then after he said, well, I'll think about it. So I guess we have to wait and see what he wants to do. Um, I think it is fair to have a rematch with Chandler. I don't think it needs to be right away. They they barely got going. Chandler was dropped. If this had been a war, I would want to run it back sooner. But I'd like to see these guys move forward with new opponents, come back when the dust is settled. But again, we don't know what's going to happen with that 155 belt yet. Um, There's that tournament at 145. There's AJ McKee. So, you know, Pitbull has options, but uh, we're just in wait and see mode. How do
0: you you see it? I think that since the tournament isn't happening and you want everybody healthy for it, uh, run it back with Michael Chandler. You're playing with house money now. Um, I think that uh, as much as I think he needs to fight AJ McKee already, I think that they've avoided each other long enough. Um, I think that that just doesn't make sense because then it's like, what are we doing with this featherweight title ahead of the tournament that's the thing that uh, i keep saying it just feels more convoluted as you keep these um yeah so for my money i would say fight michael chandler worst case scenario it becomes a tournament to fight patricio and fine if not then you know like i said you're you're playing with come back and be part of the tournament that's it but i think if he just won't be active before he fights a Um, At the end of the year tournament or not, then yeah, just run it back with Michael Chandler. that will be my pick. All right. Um, Let's see. Yeah. Taking it to the next one. Douglas Lima versus Michael Venom page. Uh, (laughs) Lima was. Oh, go ahead. No, no, I'm just reacting audibly
1: to like the craziness of that fight. But please, (laughs) all (laughs) you. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, really, um, Lima. I don't know if I would have given him the first round, but he certainly was still right in the middle of that fight. It wasn't a wash. He was not. He really was fighting a good fight with MVP. I would have liked to see more kicks to his credit. I felt like I was seeing a lot of moments where Lima was looking for it to just really wind up and just swing the axe toward the thigh of a MVP. MVP was moving out of the way. I think he was reading Lima very well and avoiding a lot of big damage. Uh, obviously, they had that scramble on the bottom. MVP doesn't take too much when Lima gets on top of him, which is another great sign. But we all know, we all we've all seen the moment. I think that was the most shared moment of the weekend. Uh, was that knockout on MVP? Uh, he seems to be moving around, he slips. Lima had thrown the kick, so he doesn't capitalize and get on top of him. But MVP loses his balance, goes to the ground, he stands right back up, right in front of Douglas Lima. That was the tactical error that he made. Um, maybe he's still a little, uh, I don't want to say hurt, but surprised. His hands aren't up, and Lima is just right there. Has that picture-perfect shot to the chin of MVP. That's a wrap. Lima goes to the Welterweight Grand Prix Finals. He won. We've been saying it. He kind of just scrambled all the plans for Rory versus MVP, which I think people were waiting for. And now he fights the winner, Rory and Neiman Gracie. It looks like they want that fight in the fall. Uh, They've been moving these guys along pretty quickly now. Now that all the pieces are finally moving, I think that we see that the schedule is being expedited to keep these guys there. Obviously, Rory and Neiman are fighting just a month, a month and a half after Rory's fight with John Fitch. This is, you know... I don't know how I feel about the expedited timeline, but the fact is they're moving along, and it is making it more exciting that you're watching these guys stay active. I think that he has made Lima has made himself a very big threat. I don't think the fight with Rory plays out the same way, or at least you know he gives you the impression that it really can't, and that makes a potential rematch exciting. If Neiman Gracie shocks Rory, obviously it becomes a more, you know, David versus Goliath. Neiman is a very uh, outstanding grappler, clearly is working hard, but you're going up against these two very established, well-rounded, and powerful athletes in Rory or Douglas, so it becomes that kind of storyline, which sells tickets too. But to me, Douglas Lima really has shined in this tournament. He had a great five rounder, and knocking out MVP in that performance. I I like the fact that he's going to be the final person.
1: Yeah, I like it too. That was a heck of a win, man. Unexpected, as much of Saturday night was, uh, on both uh, for both promotions. That was a uh, that was like some Mortal Kombat stuff right there, you know, the way he finished them. But but yeah, critical errors, right? <laughs> um, MVP should have just rolled, you know. I said Mortal Kombat, but really the one I used to play was Soul Caliber, and in Soul Calibur, you can roll away from your opponent, and he should have rolled. Just keep rolling until he's free and clear, and then get up.
0: Hey, you could do that in Tekken oh, too. Okay, <laughs> fight
1: So, you know, everybody who's listening, if you're ever in a fight, just roll away until you can stand up safely. Um, Critical error for sure. Heck of a finish. Um, Douglas Lima, I think he wants that Rory. He'll take either one, of course. But yeah, he wants that revenge. And and, and I think probably, probably both Douglas and Neiman feel like they have an advantage, a mental advantage on Rory just because of his comments after his fight against John Fitch. I don't know if that'll actually be true when they actually get back in the cage. But I bet they're, they're thinking that they do have that edge. So it's going to get interesting. We'll see.
0: No, uh, really, I, I'm just interested to see where they set up the, the final. I think that they do one more show in San Jose in the latter half of the year. And then they kind of just pepper the schedule around the United States, maybe one more in Europe. So that's what I'm really waiting on. But I think that's their plan right now. Yeah, all right. Moving on, we had a very big weekend. Like I said, I mean, just the whole week. I know in our notes, you know, from Saturday's action. But from PFL to UFC to Bellator, just anything else you want to touch on before we go into our news?
1: Yeah, I guess uh, Kayla Harrison. I mean, good, solid win. Um, I I appreciate, you know, these really – High level, dedicated athletes, you know, especially her with the Olympic pedigree, that just wear their heart on their sleeves and and show you how much they really put into a fight, how much it means to them. People criticize Ronda Rousey a lot for her reactions um, because they were, mm, I guess not as soft as 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 soft in um in a like more humanizing way, like Kayla Harrison is endearing yeah. in a way that maybe Ronda Rousey wasn't. But you know the reactions are not so far off, um, except you know Kayla Harrison. As you, um, what I'm referring to is that she was crying after her fight, her win, because she wanted yeah. to to finish in a more actually to finish right to to win the fight be in, in a more impressive yeah. manner. Um, so so that left an impression with me, and I just you know I just really appreciate the honesty, just putting it putting it on put it out there, wearing her heart on her sleeve, and showing people what really goes into be, being a professional fighter, being a professional athlete literally fighting you know throwing exchanging blows in a cage with, a, with the door locked like that's a big deal rose says it herself she's like this fighting is scary nate diaz used to say it to her says it too you know it's it's it hurts to get hit like people don't realize that so i just i'm all about the uh, the honesty here um also i i was uh, enamored with tj tombstone jones i was hoping that his prediction came through <laughs> not so but you know I like uh I like that Bellator because of their signing of Jake Hager and giving him fair competition, right? People who are on his same level as far as wins and losses. Because of that, we get to see these very interesting characters on a big stage on main cards where Bellator fights like like JW Kaiser and now TJ, TJ Tombstone Jones. So that just uh that just makes me smile. What about you?
0: T.J. Tombstone. Man bless his soul. You saw every photo all week, and I just thought to myself, you better hope that man don't get injured because somebody's losing. There's a lot of commissions. There's a lot of officials that would have lost their jobs, would have had to find a new line of work had something bad happen to that boy. (laughs) Let me tell you, you see that picture of him in the plaid shirt. (laughs) Um, Look, some people... They're trying to, you know, they got their scruff going. He just wasn't shaving, he wasn't cleaning it. He, he just went out there and said, Yeah, what's up? And I'm like, Mr. Jones, you, I, I mean, to each their own man, I'm glad you got your moment. But yeah, that's what I have to say about that. <laughs> okay. Um, Kayla Harrison, uh, I, I appreciated the passion. I think that's the sign of somebody who wants to be a better fighter. And I, I like that she's got that kind of emotion young in her career. Um, so I, I appreciated it, plain and simple. The thing that stood out to me, outside of a lot of good fights in the PFL debut, really, um, Sarah Kaufman. Oh, and, yes. you know, She looked good she um like we said uh, she's given up a lot of size she's going to be much smaller than Kayla Harrison believe that but um this isn't a slam dunk on night 1 there it's not and that's what you you want you don't want it to be the Kayla Harrison show you don't want the drama taken out of it on night 1 i like that and i think that was my biggest takeaway is that hey don't be surprised if it's not just a landslide victory from the get-go. So I like that. That says a lot of positive things to me and on that one. So that stood out. And a lot of the guys performed well, too. So that really was it for PFL. And then in terms of the whole card, you had a lot of guys look good in Bellator. The the people, they wanted to win one from Hager to AJ. Um I don't know. MVP was the only one I, what stood out to me was, uh, Lima went on Ariel Hawani's show and said that 50 cent wasn't really said, <laughs> I think he wanted MVP to win. And I felt, you know, it, it, it was a little disappointing. And I was like, you know what? I bet it was that sucks. But, uh, Yeah, you know, so that was the comedy. And then from UFC, the fact that the Brazilians really had a bad night. Jessica Andrade really saved the show for everybody. But um, this is a sign of the times. You know, Jose Aldo, Anderson, two legends, living legends, having that kind of disappointing night. And really just, it was a trend. You know, it is what it is that the sport has phases and... You know, these guys who really have done and performed so much and done so well, it really wasn't their night. And that was, you know, that's just the way the fight game goes sometimes.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, what was the card? It was New Zealand or Australia where Mark Hunt lost, Ty Twivasa lost, Tyson Pedro lost. And it was just like, oh, my God, sometimes being at home doesn't pay off.
0: I mean, I'll just say this. They sold a lot of alcohol after the fight, for sure. I'm sure. A lot of wet <laughs> yeah. shoes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, don't, don't worry, guys. We got you. <laughs> We're going to forget all about this in a few minutes. Yep. Yeah, but that that's just the night. But look, we still got a lot to talk about, Natalie. I need you to get excited. I'm ready, man. Tony Let's go. Ferguson, Cowboy Cerrone, UFC 238 in one month. Talk to me.
1: Dude, this is a killer matchup. So, so many variables. Can Cerrone keep his dad warrior mentality going? You know, is Ferguson in a solid headspace to actually fight again at this at this juncture? And then skills-wise, who has the advantage? Honestly, man, I don't know. Because you isolate Cerrone's assets and they're super strong, right? But you can yep. do the same for Ferguson. If we dig deeper, I say Cerrone probably has better stand-up because I think it's, I mean, I say it a lot and then I don't know, but I, I'm going to stay with, he does. I think he has better standup. Because jujitsu is really good. Ferguson has wrestling and jujitsu. Ultimately for me, they're both wild men. So it's yep. just, it comes down to who is willing to be more savage on that night. Who can like disengage from their soul and go full beast mode. That's the winning ingredient for me. I'm already terrified because there's going to be a lot of blood, but we'll see. What do you think?
0: Uh, first off, if it's both men, you know, on their game, like but like the top of their game, this is fight of the year written all over it. Ferguson doesn't go away easy. Cowboy lately doesn't go away easy. Um, the idea of both of them, whether it's scrambling on the ground or what I think we all want, them just getting after it on the feet, it's just, you know, whoa, I love it. The thing I said most about this fight is that all year we've been talking about, well, if this person wins, where does this leave X, Y, Z? This fight gets rid of all of that. Cowboy could have waited for the winner of Habib and Dustin. Ferguson, you know, he could have taken an easier guy and make his argument again. He's still on that 11-fight win streak, mind you. They are taking this fight. Tony, he is. uh, this comes together rather quickly. Think about it. He doesn't have time to put a full serious training camp. He's kind of jumping right in uh, into camp in one month. Cowboy barely fought, what was it, last week Yeah, against uh, <laughs> Ayakinta? I mean, both of these guys, this is, like you said, this is why they are fighters. Martial artists, yes, but these guys, this is what they do. This is their passion. That's why this fight is coming together. I love it. Um, on a tactical side, I think if you're a cowboy, there may never be a better time to get Tony Ferguson. He's been out a long time again. Not an injury, but we do know that he might have had his some distractions going on in his personal life. And I do hope those are sorted out. But the fact is, are we still getting the Tony Ferguson who fought like a savage against Anthony Pettis, who shut down Kevin Lee? who just kept taking out guy after guy to get the, get to the interim title. Is he going to be that guy? That guy is going to go to war with Donald Cerrone. Anything less, I just have a hard time seeing Cowboy miss a step right now. I think he's got all the confidence. I think he's got everything going. And uh, mind you, the winner of this one... They need to be in, Sau- you know, the UAE. They need to be in Saudi Arabia when Habib and Dustin fight because that needs to be the monster waiting in the wings. If you ask me, that's gonna make it more exciting for the end of the year. Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> I feel like that's all I need to
1: say. That's all you need to say, man. Let's just excuse me. Let's just get
0: to the fight already. <laughs> I mean, you can say it. It's all good. I didn't know what
1: are the rules. I don't know. I
0: never asked. I should have asked if we can say bad words or not. <laughs> I mean, I don't stop people. You be who you are. (laughs) Okay. I got one more encore news. Anthony Pettis, Nate Diaz in Anaheim. We are going to see it in our backyard, relatively speaking. Uh, Talk to me about this one.
1: I will tell you this. I feel like a big dork for not knowing there was major beef between these two guys. Uh, But even without beef, this fight would be awesome. You add the beef. How many times can I say beef? But you add the beef. And now we have not just a thrilling fight. What an exciting lead up because, you know, there's going to be some amazing trash talk um, leading up to this and press conferences, interviews and whatnot. So I'm excited for for both for the war of words and the war of fists. And, uh, you know, Pettis is a gentleman, but he told Aaron Helwani he's also a man, he says. So don't expect me to just sit silently by with Diaz while Diaz uh, hurls some insults. But as for the actual fight, I'm sure we'll break it down when we when we get there. But, but quickly, I think Pettis... I think he's too well rounded. He's coming off the Wonder Boy knockout. His confidence is to the moon. I think he finishes Nate without issue, but we'll see. You know, for 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 Nate coming off the layoff, I don't think that really matters. It it would matter for other fighters, but for him, I don't think it does. He's always in shape. And he's just naturally a scrapper. He naturally wants to fight. So that that instinct's gonna take over. But I think Anthony Pettis is just is just the better MMA fighter.
0: I mean, if we're being honest, doesn't every, doesn't Diaz have beef with everybody who's not his brother? Probably, yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, oh, Gil, Gilbert Melendez and Jake Shields—they cool with him yeah. too. But you know, <laughs> I mean, everybody—it's like he got something to say about it. literally everybody. everybody. I'm pretty sure He would start beef with Daniel Cormier if they met, you know. But that's uh, look—that's who this guy is, and that's kind of how he fights. That's how him and his brother. That's who they are, and that's why fans love them, hate them. They tune in because they know that they fight that way. Uh, In terms of the fight, yes, uh, you get excited about Nate Diaz, the fighter, and his skills against a gamer like Anthony Pettis. Three years since the fight with Conor. And that, to me, is like, look, I'm not saying he just been sitting around eating burgers and – you know, maybe re- enjoying some stuff recreationally, if you get what I mean. But this is a long time. And I'm like I said, I'm sure he's worked out. I'm sure he's helped other guys prepare and all that stuff. But I just have a very hard time saying, you know, Nate Diaz is going to come back and be that dude again, you know. Uh, Anthony Pettis, I think he's... Um, He looked good at 170. I think that he's only had time to really work out and put on muscle, just change his body to fight more optimally at welterweight. That all bodes well for him as well. So to me, I I agree with you. I think Anthony Pettis has a lot of advantages going into this one. I will say this. The Diaz brothers are those guys you can't really underestimate their toughness. If there is a guy who's going to come in after three years and just throw it all on it, you know, turn everything upside down, it would be a guy like a Nate. Um, But, look, he has an uphill battle there. The fight is, well, relatively speaking, there is some time, so he can put in a full camp. But this is about how much work has Nate Diaz honestly been putting in in this layoff. And I think that we're really going to see that because Anthony Pettis isn't a guy – who you're going to just dominate. He's the guy who's going to stay with you for the whole 15 minutes and that's what makes it very fun also.
1: Yeah, I mean this was the one, one of those fights where it didn't even, you know, didn't even dream it up but as soon as they tell us it's happening, it's like oh man, it's a dream fight. So, let's go.
0: <laughs> to me, it's the fact that it, come out, it came out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about Nate Diaz coming back, oh, it's Conor? You know, that's everyone's mindset. So, not that Anthony Pettis isn't a great fight, but it's like Really? That one? It's, I mean, yeah. okay. That's cool. You know, uh, look, once again, you know, I hope this is a good sign. I, I think it could be a sign that maybe Nate, maybe he just wants one more for the sake of having one more. Maybe it's not a long-term return. We don't know. I'm sure he will be, you know, uh, characteristically vague about it when we see him. But I do believe that that's probably what's going to happen. Hmm. All right. All right. Moving on, we do have a great fight from Rochester, New York. It is <sighs> Rafael Dos Anjos against Kevin Lee. I'm sorry, I'm out of breath. <laughs> uh, yeah, but look, a welterweight clash. Kevin Lee making his welterweight debut. RDA looking to really stop the trend and finally get back in the win column. Natalie, what are your thoughts?
1: So RDA is facing another tough wrestler. And he's already lost to two tough wrestlers in as many fights. I think Kevin Lee is going to be looking to make a statement at 170, and I think he's going to find it uh, find success, I should say, against RDA. When Los Angeles beat Robbie Lawler, everyone was really impressed with him. But after seeing Lawler against Ben Askren, and even though he lost, he before you know the choke, he was Mm -hmm. ragdolling the heck out of him. So it's clear to me that Lawler just wasn't ready to be back in the cage in 2017 and and so rda's performance against him i don't think should really count that much i can't wait to see how big kevin lee looks at 170 he's probably so happy to be at full capacity we get to see all his bag of tricks he's got a five and a half inch reach advantage i think they're about the same on height maybe maybe kevin lee has one inch on him but that reach advantage will be significant i actually think he's going to knock out rda
0: so what do you think (gasps) You know what, uh, look, uh, a lot of good stuff there. I think to me the biggest thing is RDA, people forget that he was he was competing with Kamaru Usman. Kamaru just was the far better fighter on that night. But RDA did not look, you know, the stereotypical old, slow, et cetera, et cetera. I, that was literally just Kamaru being the bigger, stronger athlete um, and doing work. Uh, Kevin Lee, uh, I know we've talked about he's a guy going who should move up to 170 for a long time. The reach is there. I don't think he is drastically that much taller than RDA, which I, I think bodes well because RDA, I would argue, has the more multifaceted attack. I think that Kevin Lee is a guy, for example, some guys go to their wrestling if the striking isn't working, RDA will look to do both at his leisure, you know, and I think that's what makes him so dangerous. I think that he's going to be looking to use all of his his weapons, maybe put Kevin Lee on his back, really try to push him on the feet. I think all of that is going to be RDA's game plan. I think if you're Kevin Lee, I think this is that time to show, like, look, you're one of the most powerful guys of lightweight. You've been putting in work with Sam Calavita. Now you don't have to deplete your body with those extra 15 pounds. Let's see the physicality of Kevin Lee. Really smother him. Really stay in his face. Really get on top and do damage. I think that's the thing that it's going to come down to. I like RDA. I think he's a tough guy. I think a lot of people don't... He's beaten for whatever reason. But I think that this is a much tougher fight than it talking about i think it could be very competitive ultimately i think that the wrestling and size is gonna get the job done for kevin lee i think that at the end he's just a little bit bigger and uh i think that he's gonna just smother rda if anything replicate the colby covington game plan just stay in his face against the fence and the clinch smother him maybe get on top and just nice steady consistent ground to pound gets the job done against rda
1: all right well we both got kevin lee but in drastically different ways so hopefully uh hopefully i'm gonna say hopefully we see my my version just because it's more exciting but i think we'll probably see your version
0: <laughs> i mean uh, can i point something out yeah i was the one who said it's gonna be a big knockout for jessica andrage didn't i or i, I had jessica andrage winning and it was like when you watch the rose fight happening, and then my girl Jessica comes through for me. I was like, <laughs> "That was almost as satisfying as my Justin Gaethje prediction, if I'm being honest."
1: Yeah, the Gaethje one—that was a—that was a good one, and it was a birthday present too, so it was
0: extra yes, special. Like, you know what? He's gonna come out. He's gonna knock him out in the first <laughs> round. You know, but look—it's. uh It's good stuff. I I think the thing about me seeing a finish on RDA is that historically a lot of guys have tried. He is a very tough guy to stop. Yeah, he is. Really, that's the one thing. And Kevin Lee, for all of his power and athleticism, he's just not a home run hitter. That's the one thing that's keeping me from saying, yeah, Natalie, he's going to take him no, out No, he's totally
1: not. And so it sounds yeah. kind of random that I'm saying that, but I just have a feeling. And sometimes I just talk with my heart and not with my head. So we'll see what happens. But that's- hold on. Before you close it out, can you talk about how it went for you on uh, on Saturday?
0: Yes, yes. So it was a awesome evening. So it was back in my old uh, hometown of riverside i lived there for a few years so it was really crazy um in terms of an experience the venue the gym was actually like maybe six minutes from the house i used to live at wow so it was really weird because it's like you get on the street and you like i literally look down and i'm like Man, like imagine if you still lived here, like you could almost ride your bike to the venue, <laughs> the venue work. Like for real, legit. It it was like a five minute drive and that really added a bit of nostalgia. It was a weird feeling. Yeah. Um, I get the I get started. I'm there early. I'm kicking it. I recognize this uh, you know, athletic, you know, seemingly you know, lovely woman there sitting there, and I realized like Yo, that's Tatiana Suarez. You <laughs> oh, know, man. very cool. I will have us talk about my interview with her ahead of the fight with Nina coming up in a few weeks. So be on the lookout for that. We do interviews, and I'm looking to have us re-implement them on the show. But look, she was lovely, and getting to talk to her about literally the strawweight title fight coming up and everything else was just awesome. And it's a great way to kick it off. The fights were great. Um, a lot of youth fights. So I got to meet a lot of the young champions of tomorrow. These kids really pumped up. You Okay, here's the thing. Imagine, so you know when you watch UFC? Yeah. And they walk out to the cage and they have the checkpoint and they hug their coach. They hug, hug their corner man. Now imagine all these kids under five foot doing that. <laughs> and some of them four feet, but we had this young 16-year-old um, women's cha- uh, junior girls pancreasian champion, and she's uh, going out there, and she's like the head coach lead cornerman for this her 14-year-old uh, training partner, and she's like hugging him. She's patting him on the back. She's um, telling him, you know, whatever last words of advice and coaching before he walks into the cage, and I'm like, this is something else. <laughs> you trip, have yeah. to see it to believe it. I felt weird like taking a video because they're not adults, but I wanted to because it's like, yeah, you don't see that every day. But look, these young kids were all great. The, um, I want to shout out Ed, the promoter, the um, owner of USKO in Riverside. They literally gave me free reign to do everything. I want to thank matt the commentator who was fantastic worked well with me and let me do my thing and shared the microphone i want to thank everybody who was a part of it there were adult fights so you also got that intensity and you got to see a lot of you know serious damage too to close out the night so it was really awesome i want to thank everybody involved i'm always you know adding more projects and just Look, you you guys see me all the time. I'm always looking to add more. I'm always looking for the next one. And you guys are going to be seeing some exciting stuff relatively soon. I don't want to announce it just yet, but you'll be one of the first to know, Natalie.
1: Oh, okay, man. I can't wait. All right. Well, congrats. And hopefully, yeah. I mean, not hopefully, but you'll have more of these to come. And yeah, I can't wait for the news. All right.
0: Uh, Yep. But for now, guys, we have a very busy week. We have another one next week. It'll be UFC Stockholm, Anthony Smith, Alexander Gustafsson. That one's going to be some, you know, good leather being thrown. Until then, Natalie, where can fans find you on social media?
1: I am on Twitter and uh, Instagram at Zamudiarama5 on Twitter. Zamudiarama on Instagram. The old website is thestraightpunch.com and uh you can also i've been writing for for sure Dog, and so you can see some of my stuff there as well so yeah anywhere uh anywhere i am you can check me out
0: awesome guys definitely give her a follow you guys know you can find me at double g on tv just spell out the word double and we'll be back next week